Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. And I am excited because we are done with March Madness! Yes! More on that later. We don't want to spoil it, do we? Here's the secret, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I mean, you can go to Goodreads and find out who won already, but I had a couple of favorites. Yeah. One of them got eliminated in the quarterfinal or the semifinals. So I was kind of bummed because I wanted Mary Robinette Cole to make it all the way to the end. I wanted my Cole to make it all the way to the end. I, I was that cheering was for my... my Cole early on, too. But um, but the other one that I was cheering for that made it through won. Oh, good. And why yeah. did you I didn't know anything about this book before I started I didn't know anything about most of these books until Mm -hmm. we were making out the brackets. But, you know, just looking through, I was like, oh, that one sounds really cool. That'd be cool if that one won. Yeah. Mike Cool. Mike Cool. (laughs) That's also true. Mike Cole, Mary Robinette Cole, all the Cole, all the people who sound like Cole. Uh, I wanted I wanted those to win. Like I had several that I was like going to be happy with. Mm -hmm. How's Moving Castle? was fine. I wasn't against it or anything, but it wasn't top of my list. And the winner was, we've, we've talked about it enough, I guess we should yeah, probably say the word, <laughs> The Invisible Library by Genevieve Cogman. Um, yeah, which we'll I'm kick it off about. a little later in the show. But. Absolutely. Yeah, that was exciting. And thanks again to Rob, who really was just oh, hurting yeah. cats Bravo, throughout this whole Rob. thing and did an amazing job organizing. And, you know, he did also this rundown of all the data around the votes. He's so good with that. And like the, the different you know, how many people voted for what books, what the biggest spreads were, like what books won by. It was pretty, pretty great. We're going to have to get him to hook up with Mitzula, yeah. who is a, a bookie in Las Vegas that we know is in the wider community and do odds next year. That would be really fun. Mitzula would yeah. love that. He I know, would that'd be, love that'd be a that. Um, so anyway, so congrats to all the books, <laughs> I guess. Congrats. <laughs> congrats to all the books who and entered Genevieve unknowingly. Conklin. Uh, she responded on Twitter. She's like, she was she was surprised and honored that she won. Yeah, so that's that's really cool. That's really it's, cool. it's nice that uh, that the authors are involved a little bit. Last year was was hilarious. It was uh, N.K. Jemison and V.E. Schwab kind of like went toe to toe at the end and were egging each other on a little bit via Twitter, and that was really fun to see. Um, so I love this tradition. It's one of my favorite things we do. And I'm so glad that Rob reminded us again yes, thank you, <laughs> to Rob. do it this year. All right. So let's uh, let's jump into what are we drinking, Tom? Anything good? Yeah. OK. There's a, uh, a tropical fruit that if you squeeze, uh, you can create a, a, a sort of a, a drinkable version of it. Oh, ban- uh, ban- banana nectar. Orange juice. Oh, oh. I'm drinking that's, orange juice. That's the obvious choice, I yeah. guess. I was, I was trying to make it sound all. Fancy. The juice of the banana. Banana nectar sounds pretty awesome. Bro. I just made that up. I would like to drink. It would be kind of oily, though, wouldn't it? Would I don't it? know how you do that. Yeah. Would it? There's got to be a way to create some kind of suspension, like a banana suspension you could drink. Like a smoothie? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that more of a colloid? <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah, like a smoothie. <laughs> 
What are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking an Ipswich Ale. Um, this is also from my continued uh, further winnowing down of the uh, beer of the month club that Tom hey. got me for Christmas. Um, so that's that's probably what I'll be drinking for the foreseeable future, at least until <laughs> we bring beers with us to Baycon over Memorial Day weekend and, and try to pawn them off on people. I mean, yes, not do that because that would be beers. illegal. We might have secret beers, but we're not going to say we do because we don't have a license. That's illegal. Uh, I want to address a comment we got on the website. Which... Oh, I know it's one you, you really you have to. You don't want to just leave. Let that lie. You have to address it. Fine, go ahead. Do you do you do you not want me to? I mean, I don't have to. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I was tempted to address it too, so I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna. I have to. I have to find it now because it's it's. I it was in from like an older episode, which I thought was kind of weird too. Um, but anyway, we got we got this comment, and it was a not very nice comment, which is happens infrequently enough. I'm pleased to be able to say that it always comes as somewhat of like a weird surprise, where I'm like, oh, and I think what it's I think it's fair to address it because it may be rooted in misunderstanding. Yes, and it was essentially, um, gosh, it was all the way back with the the Stanislaw Lem album art, and I'm scrolling through the website. Here it is. Okay, I finally found it. Um, it was uh, from like an old episode, which was even more baffling. I mean, this was all the way back from a couple months ago. And they said, I have to cl- oh, come on website. So you talk about a book that you have half read and it takes half an hour before you get into it in a 37 minutes episode. Great stuff. I'm assuming that great stuff was said sarcastically. Oh, wait, maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe he's like, great stuff. So yeah, if we change the tone. You talk so, about a book you've only half read. read and it takes and half an hour before you get into it in a 37-minute episode? And half an hour before you get into it. Great, Great stuff. stuff. Great stuff. Maybe that's how it's met. I like to think I live in a world where that is how internet comments sound. Um, but I, <laughs> I don't think it was. And... It was. It was a mid-month check-in. And so I yes. responded back and I was like, yeah, we do mid-month check-ins for the books we're reading. And of course, I was like, as we've done for 10 years. <laughs> Such a snot. Um, and, you know, I think for, for newer listeners, they, they may be confused, but we do, you know, as you know, as you, you will shortly hear in, in book club episodes, in all episodes, we do the news of, of what's going on in the world of science fiction fantasy, you know, which I think we say pretty clearly in the intro to all the episodes. Mm-hmm. So... But anyway, I think it's valuable to check in personally, like in the middle of reading a book, because sometimes your opinions about that book can change very drastically from the midpoint until the end. No, you don't think so? You made a no, face. No, I think you're just over explaining. All we have to say is like, hey, you may have misunderstood. Uh, we don't want to spoil books until at the end. So only the last check in on a book will discuss what happened in the book. So earlier on, we're just kind of talking about it in general so that people understand what the book is about. And if you and we don't spend all episode talking about the book. So if you didn't understand that before, our apologies. We'll try to make that clearer. See, now you're just apologizing too much. I said, sorry, you're not a fan of the format. (laughs) Well, maybe that. But but if if they were really confused, which which of these responses is going to turn someone into a fan and which will drive them away. That's all I have to say. Okay. All right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're much. You say you start out the show talking about news, but you just go on about a comment for nine minutes. Great stuff. (laughs) Definitely not nine minutes, but okay. 
All right, internet commenter. Anyway, let's jump into that news of recent history. The Quick Burns. The Expanse has been renewed for season three. Thank you, Sean, for pointing that out. Uh, There's been a lot of debate over whether there are enough viewers of The Expanse. Really? Whether it's going to continue. There's some fears out there. Maybe it's just FUD. Maybe it's just FUD. Uh, But... Getting renewed is is a great sign, right? Obviously, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, and this is a more reason to spread the word and get people to sample it. Maybe it's not for them, but if it is, you want to make sure that people hear about it. And you can watch it on Sci Fi Network, of course, but you can also purchase it, and it is definitely worth the purchase. Yeah, and the uh, James S. A. Corey, uh, Ty Frank, and Daniel Abraham. One of them was tweeting from their from the James S. A. Corey Twitter account kind of about this type of stuff and essentially saying that, hey, if you love the show, even if you're watching it on the app or on Apple TV, however you happen to watch it, try to watch it the night it comes out because that like apparently makes a big difference. Like they counts more or people notice those numbers more. It's like, don't wait a week. Like try to try to watch it at least close to airtime. Well, it's it. Yeah. Cord killers, yeah, Tom a, that, will explain this now. Whether or not this that's is a true. clever dance that they're doing. Because if you are Nielsen rated, they can't speak directly to you. But if you're Nielsen rated, your overnight numbers only count if you watch it live. Hmm. Uh, your your plus one day numbers count if you watch it DVR'd, and then there's uh, live plus three and live plus seven. Now. Live plus seven, which is any watching within the first week of air, is considered the official rating, but it's one of those things where decisions are often made on the overnight. Even they they don't always wait to see if the number got better over seven days because a lot of times it doesn't get that much better over seven days. So mm-hmm. that's why they're saying that is they're like, we really want the Nielsen people to watch it immediately because that really helps our numbers a lot. Please. Thanks. I knew Bye. I knew you were the right person to ask about that. <laughs> he was like, as soon as you started, well, what did you say? Like three day and seven day. And is that what you said? Yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's plus, like it's, it's plus the number of days. So there's, okay. there's like overnight live plus three. I'm not saying I'm right now. Uh, I'm, I'm getting confused, but it's, but yeah, the seven day, the first seven days are the most important, but for optics, sometimes for internal discussions, that first day number is, is the one everybody looks at. Sweet. Did we lose the link for this next article or are I we guess just talking so. about this? I don't know. I'll All right, we'll, try to we'll find, find it later. Okay. So Andrew P in the forums, and I definitely want to find the link because this sounds amazing, said some guy made a talking skull using, hmm, not going to say this out loud, the Amazon Echo robot assistant. Assistant, Amazon Voice Services. You there you say. go. It should be something for all the Dresden fans out there who want their very own Bob. A talking yeah. skull. It's a talking skull. Amazing. I love this. It's an Amazon talking skull. Now, I want to know what they did for the voice. If it if it's still the... Oh, that's gotta, that's the only hard I mean, part. That would be more difficult to try to make it different. Because yeah. you, you can't really modify the voice, unfortunately. I know. It's not like Siri where you can change the quality of the voice yeah ryan only does um like australian lady voice or maybe like british lady (laughs) voice really like he only i don't know why that's my husband by the way for for new listeners Uh, (laughs) i do uh british male british male 
Yeah. I just use use regular old assistant voice, whatever happened to come on my phone. You use default voice. Default voice, yeah. I, right. I would de- definitely use Terry Crews' voice if that was available to me. <laughs> well, see, that's what Waze, that app Waze does. They I know. The, I love that. I've had Kevin Hart. Voice. I've had Terry Crews. I think there was like maybe, maybe, was there a Schwarzenegger one? I'm not sure. There's been a couple of really funny ones. And Terry Crews doing the voice was... Mwah, loved it. He's one of my favorite guys. So big fan. By the way, it's called the Yorick Project. Ooh. Alas. We found the link. We're in good yeah. shape. So it's not named after Dresden Files, but it's it is not. very Dresden Filey. But I like Just, that. The, uh, calling it the Yorick Project is also hilarious. Yeah. Also very literary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph pointed out a book riot link, uh, that has the cover reveal and synopsis for Anne Leckie's new book due out in October. This called Provenance. And this, I believe is a brand new series. It's not the ancillary justice trilogy. That's all taken care of now. Oh yeah. Fascinating. It says a power driven young woman has just one chance to secure the status she craves and regain priceless lost artifacts prized by her people. She must free their thief from a prison planet from which no one has ever returned. Gosh, Anne Leckie, why can't you intrigue me with your story summary immediately? I want to find out all of those things and why they happen. That's amazing. I wonder if it is the same cover artist that did Ancillary Justice. Because it looks very similar, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, something about the it's it, the artist by John Harris, so I'll look into it. Um, but it does it has a very, the feel of the artwork seems to, are you, you're clickety-clacking? Doing I'm clickety-clacking. The, doing the Google-ins. Doing the, the Googlins. Yes. Cool. Uh, yeah, but it does have a, a similar vibe to it. So, you know, once an, once an artist, once an, an artist and author sometimes get together, it, it, beautiful Harris. music. Same artist. Yep. Cool. Very cool. All right. Well, moving on. Uh, TRP says, I think Elon Musk has been reading his E&M Banks culture novels. The book's surface detail has quite a bit on neural laces. And this yeah. Is, yeah. This is all about Neuralink. Yeah, Neuralink is a startup that is being mostly funded, if not entirely funded, by Elon Musk. Uh, he and he kind of had to admit that this week uh, when it was outed by the Wall Street Journal. But what the company is trying to do, and there's another company similar to that uh, called Kernel trying to do a similar thing, is create an embedded interface for computers and your brain. Now, the the medical reason is is the main reason. In fact, Neuralink is registered as a medical company. Uh, this could be a treatment for all kinds of medical conditions. But there's also the promise that you could have an AI talk directly to your brain. So you just think what you need to know and the AI tells you. It was funny too, because I had just rewatched uh, the original Ghost in the Shell. And uh-huh. There was that I was like, oh, yeah, linking minds. So if you if neural lace is what they're looking at, which is something that would just kind of lay over your brain and interface in the right places, that's mm-hmm. part of the problem is they have to figure out what those right places are, right? Would you do it mm-hmm. if this became a regular thing? Like, oh, yeah, you just have to get brain surgery. Eh, yeah, probably. I mean, it, it would have to be safe. It would, they'd have, it would to have to figure out how safe. to make brain surgery a lot less dangerous than it is right now. Well, I mean, does it really? Yeah, I guess it really has to be on your brain, huh? It's yeah, really got to yeah, be yeah. right up in there. Yep. Because, oh, yeah. 
A little arsenic and old neural lace. Well, maybe just... Um, I'm I'm trying like in my mind. I'm like, listen, I'm no brain surgeon, but I'm like see, trying to think ways around it. I could see the struggle. It. Yeah, where you're like, <laughs> I really I, want oh. this. Also, don't want my skull cracked open. But what about the? Oh, mm. that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. Well, you'll have plenty of time. They're not going to have it ready tomorrow. Uh, Nokomis.fl. The case of the purloined library book solved 35 years later, restored with $200 tucked inside. This is from the Great Falls Tribune. It's one. It's basically a story about a man who stole uh, the book Bid Time Return by Richard Matheson and kept it, read it 25 times. The book started to fall apart. He got it signed by Matheson. And then felt bad, finally, 35 years later, and restored the book uh, so that it was in good condition and returned it to the library with a $200 uh, with $200 tucked inside and an apology. For his like, late fees? Yes. Do you think that actually covered his late fees? Well, I don't think he checked it out. Oh, he just stole it. I think he just it. stole it. Yeah, yeah I think if he, he flat out took it. Because if he had checked it out, they would have known who he was. Right. And just like canceled his library card. Hmm. Yeah. That's a really interesting story. I feel like that's a, want to read this a good book human. It's a good human interest story. Uh, if you if you're wondering, if you're searching around for uh, who Richard Matheson is, he wrote I Am Legend, the book upon mm. which three movies now have been based. The library director, uh, Kathy Mora, told trustees from the library that she wouldn't condone theft of library materials, but, quote, the effort and funds he put into caring for the book are remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, he spent a lot of money restoring it and then gave them $200 on top of that. He really loved that book. He really did. It's really nice. Uh, Darren says, uh, sad news, Bernie Wright's son passed away this week, a huge loss. It's hard to pick a work he's most famous for, but his illustrations for Mary Wollenscraft, Shelley's Frankenstein, are never to be equaled, in my opinion. Wollstonecraft. Wollstonecraft. Mary Wollstonecraft, Shelley's Frankenstein. Easy for you to Mary Wollstone. <laughs> Mary Wollstone Shelley's. That's it. It's the whole name. Mary he Wollstonecraft also contributed Shelley's. character designs for Ghostbusters. Tom, which is I'm still working say. through the name. Okay, I'm <laughs> no, still, I'm trying to give you an out. I don't need. I don't want your out. I don't want your pity. Work on Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley for next year's anniversary of the publication of Frankenstein. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Uh, Andrew P. adds, my personal anecdote, I met Bernie Wrightson several times at cons. One time my wife asked him how she could inspire me to do more artwork. He replied with a grin, spend all his money. <laughs> I don't know why, but when I read that just now, Gene Wolfe popped into my head. Like oh, really? He must have said something like equally like funny and in that vein, like when uh -huh. we interviewed him or just maybe just like. Yeah, he's he was very sweet and funny and smart. Money. <laughs> That's great. Well, cool. Well, thank you, everyone. As always, if you have stories that you want to contribute to the Quick Burns, head over to goodreads.com slash sword and laser and look for the Quick Burns thread. We always dive through those and, and pick some of the ones to highlight here on the show every other week. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Matt writes in and says, hey, I haven't heard you mention this book or series yet. 
which is most of the world's most literature. Of the, yeah, most of the things. Not that we don't like getting uh, getting uh, getting suggestions, though. Thank you, Matt. He said, I wanted to throw this name your way. Just on the off chance it can be added to the very long list. He admits it's a very long list. The Screaming Staircase, Lockwood and Company. I've listened to the audiobook and the entire series to date, and I have to say it's one of the more interesting new series. It's a fabulous fantasy horror young fiction series, and I strongly suggest the audiobook because the narrator really makes it. Plus... It's relatively short, especially compared to certain other authors. <coughs> Sanderson cough. He wrote there. <laughs> I love the value of 60 hour audiobooks, but sometimes 10 to 15 hours is cool, too. Uh, anyway, thanks for the epic podcast. Thank you, Matt. That's great. Uh, the Screaming Staircase, Lockwood and Company. Yeah, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. That sounds really good. And I'm I'm right there with you. Sometimes when I see the timestamp on, on, or rather the 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 total re- listening time to to an audiobook, and it's like uh, anywhere above forty hours, I just mentally go, "Okay, that here was we like go. the first year that I lived in Los Angeles was listening to the Great North Road." <laughs> Like I just kept listening to it <laughs> through four different seasons. It's, it's funny. Yeah. When, when like, for example, when I listened to one Q84 and it felt like that whole listening to that book process encapsulates like an entire period of my life. Yeah. Like I can look it's, back on a time in my life where I was listening to one Q84 because that's how long it took. When you said that, I immediately remembered running with Sawyer in the hills in San Rafael in the neighborhood that we used to live in and, uh, and great North road. I, I think of, uh, being out in the backyard, like doing yard work with Django and Sawyer when we first moved in and we were like, you know, figuring things out, moving stuff around. It's just funny how, when you listen to audiobooks, they kind of, they stick with different memories. My memories mm-hmm. of reading books are always, you know, sitting in a chair. Yeah. I'm, I'm in bed or whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or lay in a bed. Yeah. <laughs> But it is, it, it definitely is something about the listening process and doing other things that almost seems like cement it more in a place and time. Yeah. In a weird way. V.E. Schwab uh, from last year's March Madness, mm-hmm. I think of going and uh, taking care of my neighbor's cats. I still I get flashes. Yeah, I'll get flashes of audiobooks when I'm doing something else. Yeah. That remind me of when I was listening of to what, that audio. When you were listening to it. Yeah, that happens to me too. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. That's pretty funny. Our brains are amazing things. Let's hook them up to robots and see what happens. <laughs> What's the worst let's, that could let's happen? Drape them in neural lace. <laughs> what could go wrong? Go wrong. Go um, wrong. We're all gonna die. Uh, all right. Well, now it's time for <laughs> the book of the month discussion. We uh, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Um, we're very excited to to read The Invisible Library by Genevieve Cogman uh, as the April fantasy pick. And uh, yeah, this is going to be a good one. It's some people were complaining a little bit in in the during the course of March Madness that a lot of the books had kind of a YA theme and that the YA fans kind of came in and overpowered like the more traditional sci fi fantasy. And then other people said they didn't think that was true. And yeah. And then I were- felt like that was just I, one of them was just misunderstood. One of them was someone asking, is this a YA book? And then everyone like, oh, so people are complaining about YA books. And the person's like, no, I just wanted to know. I was just curious. Uh, and but then, yeah, there there was a little the bit of like grumbling about young adult books. And frankly, I went through and read the descriptions of all of these books when we mm-hmm. created the first round of the bracket. I didn't think once to notice whether yeah, they were young adult or not. I just looked at the plot summaries. You know, yeah, it's Lord of the Flies is technically a YA book. So whatever. Someone said that in the forums and I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. 
take that people well, who complain. Harry Potter is a YA book too. So, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get all aggro about it. If you really don't like YA books, that's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's your choice. Uh, but I, I personally think that if a book's good, I don't really care how it was marketed. I'm coming off very defensive in this episode. I realized. Are you? <laughs> I don't mean to. I'm sorry. I'm very oh, protective. You? I feel like I, I've, I'm very. Sword and Laser is my baby, and I get very like literally like I have no children. Like this is the closest thing credit. to my baby. Um, so it's I get I get defend I get protective. I know how it goes. It's it's Bodega, and then Sword and Laser, like, and and then Ryan. Are we talking about well, okay. are we talking about love right. levels? Is that a no? Oh, okay. Things that are my babies. Okay, got it. Never babies, mind. Sorry. Yeah, that I didn't weird. think Ryan was appropriate to call you a baby. That He's got, a grown man. That got weird <laughs> fast. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so if you are a, a, a patron, we have uh, Tom has put up the book briefing this month for um, the Invisible Library. So you can check that out at patreon.com slash sword and laser too. Yeah, I'm trying to be better in in large part about getting the book briefings to you beforehand. Well, we didn't uh, know until course, today. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The, this one, it was midnight last night that we knew it. So I felt happy that I was able to turn it around within 24 hours. Uh, there's not a lot in this one because Gen- Genevieve Cogman is a fairly new author. But a couple things to note is she, is, uh, she has a master's in stats works for the National Health Service in England as a clinical classifications specialist. Um, and the Invisible Library is now the first of a trilogy. Uh, all three of them have been released. There is also, um, let's see, uh, Mask City and the Burning Page. And though if you so if you like the Invisible Library, you can keep going with the story. That's kind of fun. It's always nice when you know that the rest of the series is already out. Yeah, you so you can kind of keep going. You don't have to worry about it. I know that there's a lot of people out there who won't read a book in a series until all the books are out, which I, I don't necessarily subscribe to, but I understand why they would do that. Now, if you were one who was expecting us to talk about the entire book, The Invisible Library, this is my explanation that this is just us letting you know that it's the beginning of the month, April 1st. It's our April book. We will talk about it more in April and we will talk about it in whole at the end of April. I feel like we're explaining this to this one person who probably just never yeah, even listened to the show I ever know. again. He's listening. like totally it's, gone. It's just like, yeah, it's like, yeah I know. We know, dummy. We know. <laughs> anyway, we got a great. um, uh, Yeah. So now, now, guy, now, guy who left that comment earlier, if you want the wrap up of the book, we're going to hit you with that next. Um, so we're going to wrap up Gateway by uh, Frederick Pohl. So if you have not finished the book yet, uh, we are entering into spoiler territory. So just wanted to let you know. Okay, you good? You gone? Are you gone? Everybody gone? Oh my God. Is there anybody left listening? I don't know. There's a psychoanalyst in this book. <laughs> that's kind of a spoiler. Is that your spoiler? Mild. That's a mild spoiler. That's a that's a warning for someone who wasn't paying quite attention. Like, oh, crap, spoilers. <laughs> So I, yeah, so this book was, uh, it was, it was, I enjoyed it in many, many ways. Um, definitely the, the Rob, Robinette, Bob, however you want to call him, uh, whatever name you prefer, um, when he beats the crap out of his girlfriend, that was pretty troubling. And I think that is the, that is the, the section that we kind of alluded to, um, in, in the previous mid-month check-in. And I think a lot of people were, were pretty, 
permanently turned off uh, at that point by that book or said, you know, I already didn't like Rob. And when that happened, I just saw no reason to continue reading because there was nothing likable left about it. I hate to lead with that, though. It feels like damning the entire book for one and it's, scene. I'm not trying to. I'm just saying, like, that was the thing that was probably the and we most talked, talked about, about, about in the forums. Yeah. All right. All right. I don't want to dwell on it. It did. It did affect some of my enjoyment of the book, for sure. Um, but and I just didn't find Rob to be a very likable character. He's just like, he kind of plods along and I found it very frustrating, like that he could never commit to anything and was always just kind of floating around from, from like not being able to make a decision until he finally does. And then it's just, I don't know, maybe you can bring me around on him a little bit. I, all I can say, and I, I don't think Rob is supposed to be a terribly likable character. He's neurotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's guilt ridden. Uh, he's frustrated. He comes from a hard background. He, he worked growing, growing food, right? Like he's, he's not going to be sophisticated. It would be unbelievable for him to be the kind of character who was not without sin, right? You know, or, or to be without sin, like having him do bad things is important to making him the character he is, who is someone who is weak someone who is thrown into a situation beyond their control and who at the beginning of the book, when we meet him, we know benefits greatly from this and yet is very troubled. Mm -hmm. And so it's all to me, it's a triangulation story of here's a guy who's coming up from hard times and isn't going to be perfect. Uh, in fact, is going to be far from perfect, but maybe he'll reach this good thing. And we know he gets good things and he gets everything in life that you want but he still isn't satisfied by that. And why is that? Why didn't achieving all of this riches and success solve all those problems? Because that should solve all the problems he had on his way up. And when we get to the point that the black hole is there, we find out that this person who was already guilt-ridden and insecure is thrust into making a, a decision that is awful. It is a decision where he he cannot forgive himself and isn't even sure that he made the decision. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he that's that's that pinnacle scene mm-hmm. where he's talking to the analyst and the analyst is like, yes, but that's not what happened. Is Siegfried, it? Yeah. He just wants to blame himself uh, for it because it's so horrible. It's the ultimate survivor's guilt. And so he's a tragic character. I don't think you're supposed to like him, but I, I think you're supposed to understand the story and and see it as a tragedy which is you know the the classic definition of the term that's what this is well you know i think we should we have a call actually um we have an anonymous let's call. go to the phones. let's go to the phones and and hear a little bit more about that uh hey tom and veronica i can't get to a computer right now because i'm waiting to see a doctor i love your show and i'm very very glad that you're discussing Gateway by Fred Pohl. It's one of my favorite science fiction books. And uh, I just wanted to say about the uh, particularly notorious uh, aspects of this book um, that uh, particularly notorious in our time, that um, the psychoanalytic aspects of the catastrophic event involving a particularly massive space object 
at the end are very important uh, for understanding that aspect of the story. Um, so Freud's theory of um, psychosexual development um, is definitely something to check out if you want to understand the questions that the computer psychoanalyst is asking Rob. Um, and also the um, the confusion that Rob has about his own sexuality um, is is very relevant to uh, what happens before and after the uh, events at the climax of the book. Uh, I love this book. I love Fred Pohl. Another um, another book from the 70s of his that does not feature a psychoanalyst, but has a, a other you know. Freudian aspect to it is Man Plus, um, which is about um, colonizing Mars and a man uh, becoming a cyborg uh, in order to accomplish that. So I love your show. Uh, I'm I'm waiting for what you have to say about Gateway next week. And thank you very much. Have a good day. All right. Well, thank you for calling. Um, it's funny because on the in the transcription of of the call. It says, hey, Tom, it's Veronica. And I was like, what? I did, did I leave a message? Anyhow. The, um, the transcription also talks about a man becoming a sideboard. A sideboard. <laughs> Instead of a cyborg. And psycho, like P-S-Y-C-H-O, sexual right. development. Oh, Google. A psychoanalyst. Yeah, a psychoanalyst. Yeah. Um, uh, see, now I feel bad for for ha- for hating Bob. I, I mean, I feel like I'm missing does. and I'm like that I'm missing like like I'm letting my my gut instinct of being repulsed by his behavior and the fact that he had like zero remorse. And he was basically like, oh, yeah, she triggered me into doing this. She shouldn't have done that because. Well, and like, that is a clearly the- I was going to blow up at her. That is a failing in the novel because. He should think that at the time, right? At the time, he is that weak character with those weak justifications. He should feel bad about it later, and they don't have him feel bad about it later. Yeah. And then Clara comes back to him afterwards, yeah. too. There's not even – there's like hate, very little repercussion there either. I mean, I hate to say it, but that is a real situation. I know if, it's a real situation. If there's just, a failing to this book, is that it doesn't address that. It doesn't right. acknowledge like – Hey, we're not trying to say this is okay. We're just trying to say it's a real situation. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did find it very tragic at the end. I mean, I think it did it did come around for me at the ending, at the climax where we learn that they are essentially living in that moment in time. And I, I I have not read the next books, but we were talking about it a little bit at book club. And, you know, you learn a little bit more about like what time means to the rest of the people on the ships mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. while Interesting. while Bob is, is, you know, living normal time and like what the kind of the difference there is and how they experience the world. Um, so I'd be curious to learn more about that. But frankly, I'll probably do it through Wikipedia as opposed to actually <laughs> continuing to read these books. Um, but it was that you're right. It was it was a, it was deeply sad, I think, um, to think about and to try to empathize with him about how he must have been feeling in the aftermath of that. Because as you said, it is it is definitely the ultimate survivor's guilt because the people who you have survived are just going to be thinking that you have betrayed them and essentially trapped them 
for eternity. And yeah. that's that's living with that is tough. Here's a guy who didn't feel loved by his mother, who is trying to repress his sexuality. Uh, you know, and and th- and when you when you're thinking particularly about that scene where he beats up on Clara, ask yourself, why is Fred Pohl having him do this? Is he is he is Fred Pohl in favor of of violence? No. Is Fred Pohl being, you know, sort of flippant about things? No, he he gives that he makes that scene so that you understand something about Rob and and Rob is lashing out in that scene and he's lashing out at Clara and she doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a clue to what is going on with his internal struggle there. Yeah. Otherwise, I really, you know, I loved Siegfried. I thought that was a great character. I uh, Some people didn't enjoy the current day kind of scenes um, where where Rob is, oh, in, really? is in therapy. I, I didn't really. <sighs> Philip K. Dick has a few of these like uh, computer psychoanalyst scenes. They're kind of very similar oh, is, is to this. Is this a trope? <laughs> it's kind of a trope, I guess, maybe. I don't know if it's quite trope level. I never like them. I never like the idea of a robot psychoanalyst. It just. It just leaves me flat. Well, do you feel like it's a little bit too too much exposition? Is it a little bit too much like digging into the yeah, motivations of the actual bit exposition. character? It's also a little dated, like mm-hmm. at oh, a well, time yeah. when everybody went, you know, everybody was into psychoanalysis. Uh, psychoanalysis will solve everything, and it's like mm, not really. Um, I would think in the future we'd have better ways of treating people than that. So, and then the whole robot psychoanalyst just just feels goofy but that's just me they didn't also really i mean they they, he kind of like flippantly too like hacks into siegfried and it it doesn't really ever get like even during the time he i don't feel like he's really making the most out of being able to hack hack siegfried part of it is that the hack isn't as powerful as he was led to believe Mm. so Maybe that's you know, why Siegfried. I, I feel like that's actually pretty realistic. Siegfried's like, yeah, you you put in a code and not to follow that code. But I still know everything else going on. And I just take that into account in my treatment of you. I, I thought that was pretty elegantly done. Yeah. But I like how Rob just goes about like spying on other people instead of really trying to do anything meaningful <laughs> with that information. It didn't really feel like it fit. All well, yeah, much. he just wants to. He's I mean, you would. Right. You'd want to like, like I don't know oh, so. what I would do with it. What are other people in for? <laughs> I guess. I guess. I was trying to think of like what the modern equivalent to uh, like psychoanalysis would be for today if they used a similar oh. kind of storytelling model. Yeah. Because psychoanalysis still exists, but it doesn't have the cultural It's definitely presence. fallen out of favor. Yeah. It would just be a therapist. Just be therapy. Regular old therapy. Yeah. You know, like what do they call it? Like scream therapy? Well, I don't know. Is that what everyone does? I didn't think everyone did scream therapy. Not now. They used to. I know plenty of people who do just therapy. Like they go to a therapist. Yeah. It's not necessarily a psychoanalyst. No. Well, there's there's, there's psychiatry and then there's therapy and psycho psychoanalysis is part of was part of psychiatry, I believe. The psychology. Psychology? It's not part of psychiatry. It's not part of psychiatry, really? It wasn't well, psychiatry like Psychiatry is the medicinal yeah, I science know. part. But you can go to a psych- you can go to a psychiatrist. Yes. And, and talk to them and it's similar it's therapy. We should ask Dave Broadbeck about this, but from what I'm remembering he said is most psychiatrists don't see psychoanalysis as scientific, although some now, did use it. Now, that's yeah. what I'm saying, but was that the same in the 70s? 
I think there may have been a few psychiatrists using it back then. Okay. Maybe maybe more. It was so, my understanding that it was I and I am not an psychiatrist can all. administer meds. Yes. Psychologists can't. I so know trust me, I know that. No matter how much did. I ask, they still can't give you the meds. <laughs> Psychologists more often would be doing psychoanalysis because they they would be they can't give you a pill. Psychoanalysis. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's just my own my own misconception. You just lay down on the couch and you talk it out. Yeah, but you talk to psychiatrists too in the same way. Sometimes, yeah, but that that's that's not the it, their psychoanalysis is Freud. Yes. The the talking, talking we are girl. agreeing on everything except for the fact that I thought that psych, psychoanalysis was part of psychiatry well, and, it, and not honestly it's just a it's just a matter of degrees because I'm it, I'm not saying it never was I'm not saying no psychiatrist ever did Freud wow we have rabbit holes here haven't we yeah we have dug ourselves into a little Sometimes what does that say about us is only a rabbit hole hmm. Hmm. or is it <laughs> or is it. Um, I thought there were there were great characters in this book. I thought I love the Hichi. The Hichi ideas is interesting. I mean, we we get we we were talking in book club too about all the different uh, times this kind of idea comes up. Like you know, say that as if this isn't book club. All right, in person book club. You were talking at Borderlands. Yes, Yes, about the all the different kinds of series that that feature ancient alien technology and and humans trying to make the most of it. And we were laughing, too, because that comes up in Mass Effect quite frequently as well. It's uh-huh. a central tenant of that of that world. Um, no, the Hichi world building is great. And it's so yeah. impressive that you never meet them. Like, it would be so yeah, tempting to have one book, pop yeah. up or, or even just have like a videotape of one. And no, nothing. You never get that. It's yeah, I mean, amazing. I kind of thought that that's what Rob was going to find at the end was something was an actual Hichi or, or Hello, something Hello, I lines. am Mr. Hichi. Like I want to learn more about them. I, I thought that that aspect was was pretty cool and yeah. left a little bit of mystery to it. And and did it felt real? It felt like if if we had that, if our if our timeline of humans had discovered that, like it would be a business. It would be a huge business. Google Google would be up there in space. Oh yeah. Basically like, you know, being going around and trying to find these artifacts and and putting people up into space or it would be SpaceX would be the corporation. You know, it it felt not too to out of left field. That's this is another way that it is ahead of its time is is that, you know, it you got to remember this is 1970s and and yet he's basically saying, "Oh yeah, now forget NASA." Yeah, you know, forget forget all that. They they won't even be involved. That won't be a thing. We'll be well beyond all that. Yeah. So, all right. I've I've my gut instinct was to have much stronger negative feelings about the book during our conversation, but I think in talking it out, I'm remembering a lot of the stuff about the book that I did find interesting and good, and definitely worth reading and i totally get why people love this book and love the series and it's like a true kind of classic sci-fi and 
Yeah, the character is problematic, but I think he's problematic for a reason. I don't think it's one of those instances where the author is just an asshole mm-hmm. and is writing like, like we talked about in the last episode when we talked about, you know, why we should like bad characters sometimes, because sometimes they're actually well-written characters that are bad for a very specific reason and not just bad because the author is lazy or is, yeah. you know, has opinions that are, Honestly, are not that great. I, I feel like it's incredibly rare that an author does that because they're lazy. Be- those kind of books just don't get very popular because yeah. if you're that lazy, other parts of the book are going to be bad too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'll continue reading the Hichi Saga books personally, just because I almost never have time anyway to well, read yeah. more books in a series. That's a, one of the downsides of doing this show. Um, but I, I respect it. I... Wish it didn't have the psychoanalyst. That's all. Otherwise, I just loved it. Every I time we went back Siegfried. to Siegfried, I was like, oh, okay. so, did you listen to the audio book? I know this book? is important. Yeah, I did. Well, Rob. Oh, <laughs> I really hated that. Part. Well, Tom, tell me how I loved you really everything feel. Else, though. Tom, yeah. why do you think you're saying these things? <laughs> why do you think you hate me so much, Tom? Why do you hate of me that? so much, Tom? Well, and then it wasn't just Siegfried. It was also Rob's juvenile reactions to him i was like really he's just gonna be angry at every single thing it's like oh i get it he's resisting it's so freudian okay yeah and the recognizing when he was resisting too and and trying to talk about diagnose himself i thought that was actually pretty funny but mostly i I thought it was a it was a great book and i really loved the world and and the science as, as such as it is Well, fantastic. And yes, as we mentioned, uh, the April pick is The Invisible Library by Genevieve Cogman. So definitely pick that up. By the way, second March Madness involving alternate Londons. Whoa. Mm hmm. 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 Fascinating. Point that out. Fascinating, Captain. I think on the day that Brexit is announced, is issued. You folks have a type. That's what I'm picking up on. (laughs) You sword and lasers have a type. You do like your alternate London, don't you? (laughs) Speaking of you sword and lasers out there, our show is currently entirely funded by you, our patrons. So thank you to all the folks who back our show. And if you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Welcome to Guillaume Rossellini, Skeeter Murphy, and Jessica among all of our patrons who help us out. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Of course, you can email us at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can be cool like anonymous and send us a voicemail at 4157sword6. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!